Hi, welcome back to another episode of Rick's Random Ramblings. Uh, I'm your host, Rick, and uh, this is, uh, I guess, supposed to be called the Season 2, uh, Episode 2. Um, so, how's it going? It's been about a week uh, since I last uploaded my podcast. Uh, I've got uh, some pretty nice feedback from you guys, so um, I appreciate everyone who reached out to me. Uh, little things here and there. Uh yeah, it was a it was a pretty uh pretty relaxing uh week other than, you know, the job, you know, day job, you know. Gets to you sometimes. Uh I did a few pages for uh creator own comic that um, I'm working on. It's coming out a little slow, but uh, I'm a lot farther than I was uh, you know, last month, so I'll uh, I'll take it. Um other than that, um just read a little bit of uh some comics been uh reading jonathan hickman's um fantastic four run and uh so far i like it like uh, a million times better than his x-men run i really don't want to talk about it because unfortunately i mostly just have negative things to say about it however i will say that his run started off very nice house of x powers of x really did like that stuff not so much the mainline X-Men book, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about um, the good old days in the 70s, Bronze Age goodness. And they say the good old days don't last forever. Um, uh, that, might, might, that may be true, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But I prefer not to think of it that way. Just think about it, it was a nice time. It came and it went, and we're here to create new memories. Am I right? Anyways. Last time I left you guys, we were talking about uh, Uncanny X-Men uh, 94 and Giant Size X-Men number 1. Not necessarily in that order, however, uh, still hold up. They're great stories. Um, so hopefully you guys read along. Uh, if you guys haven't, that's totally fine. I'll just, uh, I'll just go over a non-spoiler review and then we can go into uh, spoilers. Um afterwards after we after we're all done with the um uh talking about the book so the synopsis for issue uh 95 of uncanny x-men says one man must make the ultimate sacrifice to save their teammates from certain death with the team with the team already on shaky ground how will this loss affect their future now um this book brags right there on the front cover it brags that um it's not a hoax. It's not a dream. And this issue, an X-Man dies. Now, um, before, well, I should say in general, not even before, usually um, when a new character was introduced, especially like a mainstay on a team, whether it be um, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Avengers, that character usually wasn't ever uh, killed off. Like, ever. Uh Oh, well, at least not in their uh, first appearance, so to speak. Uh, it was usually after their, um, after quite a few stories alongside them. There's some like villains that would have like one and done stories. However, for an actual main character to die, was a pretty big deal. Because back in the day, um, you just you kind of didn't really see it coming. Uh, nowadays, there's that old joke that uh, no one ever actually stays dead in comics. There's always someone who's coming back to life, some kind of secret. Um, character or uh, reveal that uh, 
whatever the case may be, the characters actually still alive, whether it be, you know, like Uncle Ben or Bucky Barnes or Martha and, uh, and, uh, oh my God, I can't remember, uh, Thomas Wayne. I couldn't remember Batman's dad's name for a second there. Oof, scary. Um, whoever the case may be, they end up coming back and now, now they're, um, they're here. Or sometimes it would just be like an evil clone or like an alternate reality future version of themselves or a multi-dimensional rift or whatever the thing is. Uh, something like really, really, really outrageous. And um, in this issue, a character actually does die. And he, as far as I know, I don't think they brought him back, but he, he is still dead. He's still dead even today. So this issue was... Uh, Written by again uh, Chris Claremont and um, and Len Wayne, the co-writer together. I think Len Wayne uh, plotted the story, if I'm not mistaken, and Chris Claremont uh, wrote the story. Um, Dave Crockrum again was on. Um, oh wait, sorry, I have it backwards. I think Len Wayne plotted it. Chris wrote it. Let's that. Yep. Yeah, we're good. Uh, Dave Crockrum was the our penciler on the book. Sam uh, Granger was the inker, and then a few letterers and colorists. Marv Wolfman back on editing duty. I think I like Marv Wolfman's editing. Um, I think he's pretty uh, he's pretty fair because he was one of the writers on Tomb of Dracula, so um, he does tend to do like really um, deep gritty stories um, with uh, not so much. Um, how should I put it? There's not a lot of like, uh, I don't want to say fluff, but it's like, it gets straight to the point and it's very, um, it's just very blunt. Like the, the violence and the, and the gore, I guess, is, um, things really held back. He's always firing on all thrusters. So I really appreciate, um, Marv Wolfman as the editor and writer. So. This issue finds um, the X-Men up against uh, Count Nefaria after what happened in the previous issue where they were shot down and the X-Men end the issue by falling to their deaths. Now, um, just doing another quick, uh, just uh, flipping through uh, some of these pages, um, there's a lot of panels in this book. It's not like it's, um, it's not, quite like um one splash page and then like another two panel page a three panel page no there's a lot of panels like a lot of the panels here like nine uh eight uh panels per page um so it it may feel as if the book is a bit constrained because there's so much there's so much going on and it feels like the art might be like um it might i don't want to say suffered the art's fantastic Dave Crockroom is the man. You guys know this. You guys know I talk about this guy. Uh, he does great, uh, all these considering. And that, that's only, that only speaks to his uh, his talent as uh, as a comic artist. You know, doing sequential art is incredibly difficult. I, I should know. Um, I struggle with all the time. But he manages to make the best use of each of the space that he's given for this book. And keep in mind, there's only um, 19 pages in this book um usually comics about 22 pages and i think x-men is about 17 to 19 pages per uh per issue for for a few years um 
and the art's just it's just fantastic. There there's some great fight scenes. There's some great banter between the um between the cast and their uh their enemies. Um and it's it's just got a, a good old fashioned, you know, like brawl. The X Men uh go up against the Annie Men. Uh, Count Nefarious evil group of um mutants that he uh well humans he transformed into mutants. Uh, they ba- they basically look like animals. There's like a gorilla guy. There's a frog guy, a lizard guy, a cat guy, and also kind of kind of bug lady. She's uh well, she's got wings like a bug, but she doesn't um. Well, her limbs don't look much like a bug. It's kind of weird actually. And there's also a bird guy too. Uh, he kind of looks like Angel, but with a uh, with a bird beak. And uh, to me, that's that's pretty funny. So that's uh that that's pretty much it, I guess, for non spoilers. It, it's really hard to speak about this book without uh, going to spoilers because there is something um, pretty big that happens at the end. Um, like we know, a character just died in this book. Um, so I'm just gonna go right into spoilers um, because it's it. I, personally, I find it very hard uh, to talk about it without you know talking about it um there might be other people out there who are much better at explaining a comic without um spoiling it but uh yeah here we go um this well, I mean this book is like 50 years old so i mean or nearing it anyways but anyways at the end of the book uh underbird gets killed uh this was i don't want to say this was really foreshadowed in the previous issue however uh thunderbird acting reckless during the uh danger room uh exercise in the previous issue kind of showed us this kind of guy he's he is uh he's kind of roguish just like wolverine actually just like wolverine and i find that really interesting um i feel like they chose uh thunderbird to die because they already had a rogue character on the team and my guess is Claremont didn't want two row characters uh, constantly ganging up on Cyclops. Um, I'm sure you probably could have had it, but at the same time, I, I suppose he also wanted to show that um, that this wasn't going to be your typical uh, American comic book. There were consequences towards the actions that each character made, and there are actual there are actual, um, there are actual stakes in this book. Um, you know, characters have been killed off before uh, on X-Men, whether it be Professor Xavier's like two fake deaths or um, the various mutants that they came across that ended up getting killed, but never quite to his magnitude where um, where we know it happened because it was confirmed technically when Professor Xavier is... Uh, Professor Xavier essentially has a... Um, a mind, a psychic mind link with each of the X Men, like a psychic rampart they call it. And what he does is he connects his mind to each individual student, so now he can always see what they're seeing and is able to keep in constant communication. So essentially, uh, makes it so that X Men don't really need communicators because Professor X can just link all their minds together. Um, I don't think their minds are all linked in this one particular issue. Um, they, they might end up doing that later on. I know in previous issues they had done the psychic rampart. However, uh, 
Professor Xavier feels the death and all the pain that Thunderbird went through as he died. So this definitely tells us it's not it's not some kind of play. It's not some kind of joke. It's definitely not a hoax. It is something that's real and legitimate. And Thunderbird is not coming back. And as far as I know, a Thunderbird has uh, has not come back. He is uh, he's still dead. He's uh, you know that's pretty much it. He just had he was two issues in the main book and um, one giant size issue. Uh, kind of a shame because I I kind I I don't know. I mean, I guess at the time, you know, in the seventies, this was a really big deal. But like for now, like nowadays, like a character gets killed off and he comes back, like. 10 issues later it's not as big as it used to be in uh, modern day books you see like Janice Vale has come back like three times now um Captain America's died like twice Superman's died a few times Batman's gotten killed Flash and Green Lantern have all gotten killed all these characters have been killed and just brought back almost like just to do like a sales boost but th- this doesn't really read like that it reads more like um a character got reckless and he paid the price. It uh, wasn't some kind of heroic sacrifice, really. Um, he was kind of selfish, I would say. Uh, uh, Thunderbird, he just, uh, he really didn't want uh, Count Nefera to get away because he, he felt like, um, he felt like he was, uh, he was a man. And um, he just really, he really, really wanted to stop him. Like when he jumps onto the, uh, the plane uh because then issue count nefaria is inside his little jet pack his little jet uh his little jet and he begins to take off to fly away and thunderbird just jumps right on with uh without really thinking about it he didn't want him to uh to get away so he just jumps on and uh he just starts bashing it basically and uh banshee tells him that uh, if he jumps off the plane, he could just stop the the plane with the sonic scream, which makes sense. Uh, Banshee's scream is strong enough to at least break apart the engine of the plane, or maybe just uh, like the one of the wings or something like that. Or maybe he is strong enough to destroy the entire uh, plane. However, Thunderbird just keeps on refusing to listen. And um, uh, he, Thunderbird, is a uh, just bashing away he goes on a rant uh, about how he was a loner his entire life uh xavier uh took him in even though he's an outcast and he was uh and that he's, he's a man and he is a warrior of the apache and he was going to prove it despite fresh xavier speaking to him from his mind uh to, to get off the airplane and uh thunderbird kind of just ignores him and as the plane crashes, he uh, he just dies, and uh, Banshee is left uh, with great guilt because he felt that uh, that he could have done something, he could have done more. He was already flying beside the plane at the time, and he kept on trying to get him, but uh, he wasn't su- he wasn't successful. So uh, Cyclops reassures Banshee that it wasn't his fault, and that it's going to happen to each of the, each of them eventually, because. Uh, being an X-Man means that you take certain risks that um, that others would not be willing to make. So, uh, 
that's essentially how the issue ends. Uh, Cyclops walks away alongside the rest of the X-Men uh, as they feel sad. And uh, and it, it is a pretty fantastic uh, just story. The lead up was great. And you know, no, it was just it was just a blockbuster, to be honest. Uh, especially reading this as a kid. I, I was kind of surprised, too, because I, I guess because at the time when I was a kid, you know, you read a book, you don't ever expect any of the superheroes to die. You expect them all to go home. And uh, there's some great bits. Uh, Banshee always has the best lines of dialogue. Uh, that's because that's what uh, apparently Chris Claremont kept on giving them. There's some great bits uh, in the beginning of the book where Cyclops is... Um, is falling he gives uh orders to each uh x-man to grab the person to the right uh whether it be storm grabbing onto nightcrawler and colossus but colossus is sure storm he does not need her help so she grabs on the wolverine colossus just, just uh lets himself fall into a crater but because he's in his armor he's totally fine and everyone's thinking like he's like dead or like injured and he's like no nah, i'm just fine because i'm in my metal form and uh because Banshee has Thunderbird and Thunderbird's too heavy. Banshee can't pick up both Cyclops and Thunderbird. So Cyclops is falling by himself now. And there's this great bit where um, Cyclops is thinking, Banshee, please hurry up. Because I'm just going to be a, I'm be like, I'm like a pancake if you don't come and get me soon. And the narration is great. It's like impact in T minus uh, 37 seconds. In 12 seconds. And the next panel, 5 seconds. And um, Cyclops is like sweating. He's like, "Well, I guess this is it." And he uh, he thinks to himself that he always knew he was gonna die, but he didn't think he was gonna die from something like this. You know, falling to your uh, falling to your death. And uh, so Cyclops kind of just uh, he's ready to go. And then Banshee comes out of nowhere and like saves him. And his line is, "Ah, laddie, did you really think you'd be? Uh, I would leave you alone like this?" And he was like, "Yeah, I thought about it, and it's just great. All Banshee's lines are great. So that's one of the key points uh, that I really enjoyed, other than, of course, the, the Thunderbird's death. But that's like the major significance. However, this isn't um, this isn't really the last time we uh, we hear from Thunderbird. Uh, there are some um, there are some stories afterwards that deal with uh, both the guilt." Of, uh, of Thunderbird's death, which we're going to be talking about in a few, uh, proceeding to the next issue, uh, X-Men issue uh, 96, which is uh, another great read. Uh, however, uh, we've got a little more time left, so I wanted to talk about the next, uh, it's 100 issues away, but nevertheless, it's a really important issue just because it, it still deals with the death of Thunderbird, uh, Uncanny X-Men 193. Uh, this issue is uh, it's its real significance is um, being the hundredth episode with the uh, with the new X Men, the all different uh, X Men, um, and it it's a basically double slide issue, again written by solely Chris Claremont. This is in nineteen eighty three, I believe, or nineteen eighty four. Uh, and it's uh, got John Romita Jr. on the pencils, Dan Green as his inker, his usual inker. Um, 
this issue is another great one. It deals with uh, Thunderbird, uh, his younger brother. Turns out he had a younger brother the whole time, and he comes back for revenge against the X-Men and Xavier for uh, his brother's death. He essentially just blames them, and he joins uh, another group of evil mutants called the Hellions. Emma Frost is... Um, junior team of uh of mutants and he decides he's going to go out and go kill each of the uh each of the x-men because he blames them for their for his brother's death despite not really knowing the whole uh situation and it's uh it's actually a very good book it's a uh, double-sized 41 pager um it i'm not big on how the issue begins um uh, essentially, Thunderbird, uh, well, Thunderbird Two, as they call him, he eventually calls himself Warpath. That's probably how most people remember him as. But he uh, he kidnaps Banshee because Banshee was the one again who was with Thunderbird at the time of his death. Like he was right next to him, so he kidnaps him. Unfortunately, we don't really get to see the um, because it, it there's a narration that describes how Banshee is running. Uh, his usual jog and we only get to see the jog instead all we see is a mountainside um and then the next panel it's a thunderbird kicking uh banshee and i also love the title of this book uh this book is called war hunt 2 uh, x-men issue 95 was called war hunt uh, don't really know why but this is technically the sequel to this story not counting X-Men 96. However, um, the issue is, the issue is pretty good. Uh, I really do like uh, the characterization of Thunderbird's brother. He, uh, he's really upset. He's hurt. He feels ashamed because um, this has happened to his family and he wants, wants to make things right. He wants uh, things to be on equal footing. So he leans in for the kill, of course, but um, he is conflicted. Um, because he, as he begins fighting each of the member of the X Men, he begins to realize that um, maybe he's in the wrong, maybe he shouldn't have done this, and it, it makes for a pretty interesting character. I think um, he knows what he has to do, but he doesn't really have uh, really the will to carry it out. And what makes it even better is that um, he leads the X Men right to the same military base called Valhalla, that where Thunderbird's death uh, again took place. So it's a bunch of callbacks. It's, uh, it's really just a uh, fan service, but it's good fan service. It's not like type of fan service where everything feels cheesy. This is like a callback to uh, what made all new, all different X-Men so great. You know, the different characters you see, the different colorful costumes, characterization, uh, each person's uh, individuality. You know, it's just, it's just great. Um, What's not so great, uh, John, Romita's, John Romita Jr.'s artwork. Uh, his artwork for me is either uh, really good, like top tier uh, quality, or um, pretty bad. What uh, Some artists call deadline artwork, where you would just uh, hurry up and try to finish as fast as possible. Uh, but I don't want to bash uh, Jr. too much. I, I, in general, I really, really do enjoy his art. Uh, he has some really great panels, some really great shots in his book, and then some of them just don't look right. Whether it be like a, a the way Wolverine's face is positioned, or just the way he's drawn, or sometimes a really cool dynamic pose that shouldn't make any sense, but you're like, yes, 
this is the 80s let's do it so we're okay with it so overall it's a fantastic issue i think um i don't want to spoil anything I'd much rather uh, we'll probably talk about it again in the future but just food for thought that uh thunderbird's death actually does matter um a lot of people kind of because the last thing you want to do as a writer is kill off a character for no reason you want it to have like a profound effect you want it to you don't want to just do it just to either boost sales or to you just got tired of writing the character you could just write them off without having to kill them you could just put them on vacation or something until you know you need them again because what a lot of writers don't really understand is um when you kill off a character you kill off all the potential that that character could have had the kind of stories that character could have led and uh, the effect that character had on in the stories in general or future stories so when a character is uh fridged so to speak you wanted to make it count you wanted to make it something that's really worthwhile and that uh you won't definitely won't regret in the future that's something that um makes uh george or george r martin's uh writing so interesting to me is that he finds a way to kill a character uh and just like keep it moving I, I don't know i don't really know how to describe it but the way he does it it makes it not so much more fridging but like he kills each character that dies all for a reason or sometimes no reason but it still makes sense within the confines uh, of the story but enough of that that's uh that's x-men uh 95 and one, a little snippet of 190 uh 193 but uh for now I'm going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to uh, discuss uh, Uncanny X-Men 96. Don't go away. And uh, we're back. Um, back for break. I just need something to drink. Um, moving forward. Uh, issue 96. Oh, this is the... Uh, the first issue of Uncanny X-Men that is solely uh, written by Chris Claremont. Once again, we have um, Dave Crockram on inks, uh, not I mean, pencils. Uh, he's the penciler for the next um, next tannish issues or so. Uh, he writes the oh, he. I mean, he does help uh, write in a few issues, but in this particular one, he is uh, only credited as penciler. Sam Greener is uh, his inker. Um, it's titled uh, Night of the Demon. Kind of um, kind of sober, huh? Somber. It's a. Uh, it, it's it's an issue. Uh, I'll give you guys that. Um, this issue is no very noteworthy because it's the first appearance of Moira and my Taggart. Um. Uh, Professor X's um, friend and confident, um, unknown to uh, to everyone, she's actually a um, she's a scientist who uh, who is trying to help uh, with the mutant pandemic, so to speak. Uh, she's trying to help mutants to essentially do the same thing Professor Xavier is doing, except she's looking for um, more of a cure. And uh, they'll they'll explain uh, in later issues what exactly she's trying to do. However, she's introduced as uh, the new housekeeper for the X Men, um, which is pretty funny because uh, 
when Banshee uh opens the door because he uh Professor Xavier tells him that she should be here at any minute. Uh the doorbell rings and Banshee goes to open the door and his first thought is uh is probably a really old lady. Uh someone who's uh, very unattractive and uh and uh yeah. And when he opens the door, he's like, Oh my god, it's it's a uh, it's a gorgeous woman. It's a younger woman. Probably probably like mid thirties or so or late thirties. So not not too far off from Banshee's uh ages. I believe Banshee's somewhere in his forties. Because he's uh he's described as much older than most of the X Men. Not too much I don't, I maybe probably around the same age as Perso Xavier, maybe a bit younger. So they're the two uh grown ups, so to speak. However, this issue starts off um it starts off uh, pretty sad, pretty serious and stern. Uh, Cyclops is um, is essentially mourning and blaming himself for uh, the death of Thunderbird. And that's where this issue really does. Um, that's the main focus of this issue. The guilt that some of the X-Men may feel, especially Banshee and Cyclops over what happened all the while building a small subplot for a future issue that could be uh it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting uh again artwork is as always fantastic there's a really creepy uh panel on page 15 that always gave me nightmares as a kid because uh, again, the, the they essentially the X Men they essentially fight a uh, a demon, and it's um it's not something that I would uh recommend a child to read, even though the issue is pretty uh there's no like adult themes, but I wouldn't recommend it for a child because of the the way the drawing of the demon is it's pretty freaky, pretty scary. Um. I think that's that's really about the non-spoilery part of the uh, of the review. Uh, Professor Xavier is having some troubles. The X Men are trying to unwind over uh, over what happened. Um, looking back at my uh, show notes earlier in the episode, I was talking about um, why Thunderbird was killed off, and uh, after doing a little bit of more reading. Double checking some notes, uh, it turns out, yeah, that the the reason why Thunderbird was picked was because they they couldn't have two uh, two rogue uh, characters, two like anti hero types on the team. Like I said earlier, and also um, uh, Claremont, Wayne, uh, Le- Wayne, Len Wayne, and um, Crockroom wanted uh, they wanted two. Uh, they wanted three to flunk. However, they didn't want it all to be just the older crowd. They thought it would be uh, much more interesting if uh, if one younger man uh, flunked out of the X Men. Now, the two that were that did flunk out, uh, Sunfire, and we're going to find out later uh, what's going on with Banshee. Um, it's not very apparent now, but in the future, it will become apparent what his issue is um 
a few times there's some offhand jokes about uh well like i guess uh jokes that banshee makes about himself about his age that's something that pops up uh actually pretty frequently just about every issue so far banshee at some point has made a comment about how old he is compared to the younger generation of x-men um and this uh this 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 does have some consequences but it would not be the one that you think it actually kind of makes me a little sad thinking about it but we'll we'll, uh we'll get there so um i think that just about does it for the non-spoilery part we're gonna go ahead wonder what you guys thought about this issue but uh so the issue like i said it opens up cyclops very upset uh he's sad he's depressed he lost an x-man in um in the field and he feels like it's his fault because he's the field leader while professor xavier runs the the generic general x-men um from the school cyclops is in charge of the field team so whenever they're out on a mission or they're doing something it's him who's in charge it's him who's putting other lives on the line so thunderbird's death hits him harder than the others so he's taking a walk in um like the backyard woodsy era of the uh of the x mansion and he's just thinking about uh what happened not too long ago uh the book says it's been a few weeks since thunderbird's death but um cyclops is still he still got it right here hold, he's still holding on to it uh really deep in his chest and he's on replaying the um the moment in his head uh, what led to it banshee telling um thunderbird to get off the plane count nefair freaking out because uh thunderbird wouldn't stop punching the plane and um thunderbird uh saying to prove that he is uh he's worthy of being called an apache and uh cyclops just like he has like a kind of like a moment of rage where he just lets out his optic blast and just like destroys the whole section of the woods uh not knowing that he also hit like a tomb it looks like and then it's not until after he's done destroying the that little section of the woods that he realizes that he just like let loose and like he has never really done that before and now he just he just kind of feels ashamed of himself so uh he finally uh just takes a moment take gets down on his knees and he, he says to himself that he knows that thunderbird knew the rules and that the that the x-men also knew the rules and so does he that uh that no matter what uh in my heart as long as you try that's just the rules of the game you you probably will die and um cyclops thinks that he's the he's the top guy he's the He's the guy in charge, and sometimes things like this happen. So Cyclops finally just he he says, uh, "Rest in peace, John." It's like you earned that, and he walks away from the that tomb that he like knocked down. And unknown to him, right behind him, there's like a something coming out, something growing, and it's uh it's mysterious. And it's got a little Kirby crackle in there. It's pretty awesome. This is a this is a fantastic uh like 
four pages. The splash page in this book is gorgeous. Uh, Cyclops walking through the woods. There's like a tombstone with uh, Thunderbird's head. It's gorgeous. It's, it's all great. So meanwhile, back inside the X-Mansion, the X-Men are hanging out, doing their usual training. Um, but it just includes um, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, and Wolverine. Because Cyclops is still walking around the woods while this is happening. And uh, they kind of mess around Wolverine. And Wolverine's starting to get a little upset. You know, he's got a short temper. He's uh, he's always upset. And everyone's laughing at him because he uh, he got hit too many times. And he's getting knocked back. So he tries to uh, slice Nightcrawler in half. However, Nightcrawler is fast enough to teleport. So... Uh, at this moment, Professor Xavier and Banshee both come in in their civilian clothes, and Banshee once again tells Wolverine that he needs to settle down a little bit. Could have hurt Nightcrawler. And Professor Xavier uh, tells Banshee to come on over. And he has a conversation about how tired he is and how burned out he is. Uh, he's uh, He hasn't been able to sleep, having these really strange nightmares, which we will get into on probably next issue or the issue afterwards and he's having a hard time with uh with the uh, cyclops he wants uh banshee to talk to him so he can ease up and so that way he can relax a little bit cyclops has been uh, a character that's well known for um having a uh pull up his butt so to speak he's like very stern straight to the point yes sir no sir kind of guy no nonsense kind of guy so when he um even when he's in a situation where he should be relaxing he should be calm cyclops just isn't this is not the type of guy he's in he is so that's something that uh i kind of like about the character he's kind of nuanced in that way when he's in stressful situations it's like it's where he's most comfortable because it's um it's what he's used to. It gives it's like it's like where he thrives, which is something that's kind of interesting, I think. There are some people that maybe don't like to be in stressful situations, but Cyclops is not one of those guys. When he's at ease, he's uncomfortable because he's uh he's always concerned about his optic blast. Without his Ruby Quartz fiber uh visor, his optic blast would just go wild and he could potentially hurt someone. So him, him relaxing means that there could be a moment in time where he's too relaxed and his, he might make a mistake, which could cause someone uh, getting injured, could cause someone to get hurt, or even much worse. So to him, there's no such thing as relaxing. To him, it's always, I need to continue to work on myself and to continue to um, to master my uh, my powers, if at all possible. So he struggles really hard with that. And Professor Xavier also recognizes this, which is why he needs um, needs Banshee to uh, to talk to him and to hang out with him. Because Banshee does have a few uh, years on Cyclops. Cyclops is probably like in his mid-20s by this point in time. So he's hoping that Banshee can lend some uh, words of experience. And it's right around this time that... Um, uh, the doorbell rings, and we're introduced to Moira Metagard. Uh, and meanwhile, after that lovely introduction of how sassy Moira is, she's an incredibly sarcastic character. 
we're introduced to um to uh a dr lang uh he's a uh scientist working for the government and he is working on several projects and he's visited by a friend who tells him that um that they no longer need his funding and um michael gets really upset because he's trying to work on a um He's trying to work on a new sentinel program to kill uh, essentially mutants. He's trying to stop mutants from uh, destroying the world, as he puts it, or like taking over. And his uh, his friend, who works for the government, is telling him that he needs to calm down and that mutants aren't really a threat because of um, all the good they've done. So Stephen Lang... The scientist gets really upset and he decides that he's going to plot to kill his best friend. Well, I shouldn't say really his best friend, but he's pretty decent friends with the guy because he's having casual conversations with him. But he decides that uh, Project Armageddon is done. There's no point in it. Mutants are not as big of a problem as you may think. We're working on it. It's fine. So back at the X-Mansion. Uh, the X-Men is just hanging out, getting to know Moira Metagre. And uh, Wolverine's sitting there carving up the table, which I find hilarious. And meanwhile, Banshee is uh, flirting with uh, Moira Metagre because he thinks she's very attractive. And that's what Banshee does. Um, so while they're doing that, uh, Professor Xavier is again uh, worried about Scott because he hasn't seen him. And then uh, almost a moment, not even a moment later, Cyclops comes busting right through the window. It's a panel that I always find pretty funny because uh, the expression on Moira Tagger's face is at all. And Frexo Xavier's kind of squashed down in a little corner and he's like, my God, Scott, what happened? And once again, Banshee's the first one to help Cyclops out for some reason. I, I just noticed that Cyclops, Banshee's always helping Cyclops back up on his feet. And um, Cyclops is all beat up. His uh, his costume is torn and tattered. And it looks like he's had a heck of a fight. And then uh, the other X-Men see what it is. And they're all like horrified. And then right at the bottom of the page. We get a lovely um, look of this giant demon. Who's come crashing into the X-Mansion. And he's uh, he's very upset. And he's just... He's very upset because he was awoken before his time. That's it. We don't really get another explanation about it. He's just upset because he, he Cyclops woke him up before he was supposed to wake up. So he's a sleeping demon, uh, essentially. So Professor, Professor Xavier starts giving out orders. He has them uh, try to form an attack, but nothing's really effective. No matter how much, how hard they hit, and no matter what techniques they seem to use, nothing seems to be working. So Wolverine decides that he's just going to cut loose, extend his claws, and cut the demon to pieces. And uh, he does. And uh, Wolverine uh, starts bragging about how he... Uh, He'd been, he's been going through these 10 years of uh, 
of psychotraining, of drug therapy, of praying, and he finally just like gave into his Berserker barrage. And he's happy that he did. And then Cyclops is uh like he replies back, You wanna hear something funnier? The demon is not dead. And then they look and the demon's starting to come back even stronger. So Professor Xavier decides it's his turn to try. Uh, instead of doing a physical attack, he does a psychic probing. And once again, Professor Xavier is driven mad by what he sees. Uh, this panel is very creepy. Uh, it's like a bunch of demonic stuff. And then Professor Xavier's brain is like, he just starts screaming. Uh, it just drives that it's like a, it's like something that humans weren't meant to see. Professor Xavier is, uh, he falls off his chair and he starts losing his mind again. And then comes the absolute best part of this story. When Moira Tiger, after seeing all the struggle that the X-Men have done, okay, their powers are essentially useless against this demon. Nothing seems to be working. Yet what she decides to do is grab a machine gun from wherever the heck the armory is in the X-Mansion. And she decides to start just firing it. She sprays the whole clip into the demon. That's pretty that's pretty awesome. It's it's actually a really crazy panel. It's it's a crazy two panels. Uh because upon seeing that the bullets did nothing to this demon, Banshee comes to rescue once again. Because Banshee's that guy. And uh we find out Fester Xavier's fine. He's just a little woozy from the ordeal. So uh Storm decides that she's going to try and attack this uh demon. Uh, using her uh, weather powers, but she's got to get outside so she can really summon a really good attack. But she's attacked by other demons. And she has a nightmare about uh, about her time in Cairo when she was a kid. And she destroys the um, the uh, the little uh, tomb thing that the demon came from. I'm not really sure this there's a specific word for it, but uh, it, it, she destroys it, and then the demon turns to to dust, and uh, everyone begins to comment that it's gone, and then Cyclops is left with uh, the same questions that we're left with: where did it come from? Where did he go? And why did he attack them? And Professor Xavier comments that he doesn't know, and we probably won't ever know. But uh, all they know is that they used to rule mankind, and he wanted to do it again. So they come back, and uh, Professor Xavier just says, oh, if they ever do come back, God needs to help us because we're powerless to stop them. So that's, uh, that's essentially uh, this issue. But there's a nice little epilogue, a tiny panel. Remember the Colonel friend from earlier in that one page subplot uh, that shut down Dr. Stephen Lang's Armageddon project? He is, uh, he is found dead. Uh, there's been a fire inside the building he was in, and uh, or maybe not the building, actually. I think it's a building. It also could have been a boat or plane but it's on fire and the colonel is dead. 
and everyone starts freaking out. So everyone uh, turns out that the uh, Dr. Stephen Lang was not joking when he said he would have his way. He ended up killing him and everyone else on board. Uh, that way, um, his project can continue. This uh, this is going to continue on in the next few issues, culminating to a fantastic issue number 100. Because remember, we are approaching issue 100. Uh, so that's issue 96. It's a pretty fantastic issue. Uh, I don't know if it's... Uh, I don't know if it's better than the last issue. However, uh, seeing Cyclops with this four or five page uh, intro struggling to come to terms with Thunderbird's death is pretty awesome. I like seeing those conflicted characters and, you know, that antagonized decision that they decided to make is what, uh, versus what they should have done or try to fight harder. You know, I really do love that kind of stuff. So personally, I'm into that. So uh, that that's that's the issue pretty much. I want to know what you guys thought about it. Um, again, I read the comics on Marvel Unlimited. It's like a few dollars a month. You can read all the comics you want. I mostly like it because I'm able to read uh, the Silver Age, Bronze Age stories that uh, my dad grew up uh, giving to me when I was a kid. So personally, that's the reason why I like to use it. Some people like to read modern day books on here, and that's totally awesome too. Personally, I just I just really like my Silver and Bronze Age stories because those are like, that's my bread and butter. Uh, case in point, this uh, X-Men run. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much all I got for this issue. I'm going to take one more short break and we'll be right back for a wrap up. Don't go anywhere. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much the majority of the episode. Uh, this episode, unfortunately, is going to come out uh, probably a week later. Um, the uh, day job got in the way, so to speak. Uh, it seems like every day there is some kind of emergency. At, uh, and they always call uh, Mr. Reliable to take care of it. However, um, just for future reference, we're going to try and do, uh, tr- attempting to do one podcast episode every week. Um if not, I'll probably end up being bi-weekly. My dog and my younger brother are um and they're they're around next to me. You guys might might hear them slightly in the background, making a little noise, but um yeah, not not bad. Um next week, uh we're gonna continue on with uh Uncanny X Men, the next uh two issues, so uh, um, that's pretty exciting. Uh, I love X-Men. You guys know this. Um, this past week, uh, this past few weeks, um, just in general this year, I should probably say, we uh, we lost a lot of um, comic book greats, uh, the artists uh, that were working on um, these books that we love so much. It was Carlos Pachinko, uh, Neil Adams, uh, Tom Palmer, uh, and so much more. Um, it's it's been kind of crazy george perez and it's just kind of crazy i know as a as a kid i always imagined that uh one day i would be able to meet these guys and um unfortunately i uh i I didn't get a chance to but hearing some of the stories that other fans have told um 
it's kind of inspiring uh, hearing how they were and how they worked and the friendly personalities that they had on. And um, it, it's just really awesome. And I'm so happy that those uh, those fans got a chance to meet them because um, it, it's great being able to meet the actual, you know, legend within the hobby, uh, these brilliant people. These are the true geniuses of the comic book world. They've uh, created these stories, molded these characters, and really, um, uh, they they lit the path uh, for us to follow. No matter what, uh, no matter what stage in, in uh, the comic book industry we are, you know, just starting out, been there for the last like twenty years or whatever else have you. It's awesome, man. Uh, my myself, uh, I've been going around as much as I can to Comic Con, meeting all the. Uh, all the greats um, that are still with us today, thankfully. Um, Bill, St- uh, Bill Stekavish, I met him. He's pretty. He's really awesome, actually. He was just such a happy, happy-go-lucky mood. So, little moments like that, you know, like the smile that they give you, like a warm greeting, you know, stuff like that, really sticks with you, just as much as as their work. So, really want to take a moment to acknowledge that. That's been a pretty rough year for uh, the comic book industry. Um, but, um, hopefully things will be looking up, you know, uh, as always, uh, you guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, there should be Rick's random ramblings on Instagram. And, uh, actually I can't really quite remember my Twitter handle. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. I'll probably drop a link to it in, uh, on my, uh, Instagram, uh, you guys can go find me. Tell me what you guys thought about this uh, episode, about the these last two issues that we read. Some great stuff all around. Chris Claremont, Dave Crawford were awesome. You know, yeah, I got no real complaints from them. But thank you guys for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, probably see you guys next week. Hey, right, guys, take care.